0: Welcome to StoryWise, the podcast designed to give you the in-depth story behind some of our top storytellers as a way to inform, motivate, and inspire you to believe that you too can make your dreams a reality. My name is Jen Grisanti. I am the Story Career Consultant at Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc., a writer's consultancy designed to help you accomplish your writing goals and reach your career destination, through seminars, one-on-one consults, and teleseminars. And I am so excited to have with me as my guest today, Pilar Alessandra. Hello. Hello. (laughs) So happy to have you here. Let me tell you a little bit about Pilar. Pilar is the director of the Los Angeles Writing Program On The Page, www.onthepage.tv. She's worked as Senior Story Analyst for DreamWorks and Radar Pictures and has trained writers at ABC Disney, MTV Nickelodeon, the National Screen Institute of Canada, the Los Angeles Film School, the UCLA Writers Program, and more. Her students and clients have sold to Disney, DreamWorks, Warner Brothers, and Sony, and have won prestigious competitions such as the Austin Film Festival Screenplay Competition and the Nickel Fellowship. She hosts a weekly screenwriting podcast called On the Page, and her new book, The Coffee Break Screenwriter, is in bookstores and on Amazon. Recently, she was named Cream of the Crop in a survey about script consultants by Creative Screenwriting Magazine, Welcome, Pilar. Hi. Well, Thanks for having me, Jen. So excited to have you. Well, first of all, I want to give the listeners a little background. So Pilar has been a huge uh, mentor, role model for me. Um, when I started my business three years ago, Pilar had me on her podcast, and it was huge and got me so many clients, and I am just so grateful and everything you do as a businesswoman, inspires me, and and looking what you've done with your business is just so incredible. Well, thank you. That was yeah. a great show. You you had some really good information to share with people.
1: I don't know, were we were we still drinking beer back I in know. those days? <laughs> I can't remember.
0: I know. We had fun. <laughs> we had fun. That was a fun fun show. So let's start with okay. um, because your company and I definitely I can't wait to get into your book. Let's start with what inspired you to start on the page. I, I, I,
1: you know, I I was very, very interested in what people actually put on the page. I wasn't as interested in sort of an overemphasis on outlining or theory or sort of just talking about what makes a story work. I was interested in when you change a word, it changes the meaning. So for me, I really wanted to dig my heels in and uh, and work with writers on actually finessing pages, which is why I called it On the Page.
0: On the Page is the greatest name in the world. I can't even tell you like how many times I catch myself saying On the Page. <laughs> that, that it is such a natural part of storytelling.
1: And every time, you're just promoting me, baby. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. See? And that, That's
0: what it was a perfect brand name. I was like, okay, go Pilar, right there. Um, now, tell me about everything from top to bottom that your company offers for writers.
1: Um, well, I, I think my favorite thing to do is is the teaching part of it. I teach classes in first draft and in rewrite. And it's very, like I said, very, you know, sort of get it on the page kind of stuff where – Considering the fact that this is many people's writing time, we sit down and I might talk a little bit and give an exercise, but we're actually building out pages every week. So I do first draft and rewrite classes. I also do one-on-one script consultation, and uh, I get the pleasure of of consulting on probably about two scripts a day. So that's been wonderful, and I get to you know go talk at conferences and stuff. A day
0: is a lot. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, It's uh it's exhausting, but for me, yeah,
0: I understand.
1: Kind of like getting to see two movies a day. Yes, um, I. The only problem is I want to also be able to see two
0: movies a day I know, I know. i'm I'm a little behind there's right not now. enough time to get it all done, but it, I think the greatest thing I have to say is waking up every day and recognizing a new story is coming your way, yeah, and and really, kind of the idea of molding that and guiding that is is and learning from it. Yeah, like I absolutely. you know i i I am constantly learning about story. Um, what would you say? you love the most about story
1: about I I guess being surprised Mm -hmm. you know there's so much cynicism in this town of you know sure I've seen it all and oh that story again and that character again um but i am i am constantly surprised and knowing that i might get a surprise a week is enough for me it's enough to keep me going that's that's what i love about story
0: now and i don't want to put you on the spot but sure. if you were to think of a strong example of a surprise in a movie what would it be
1: well you know even today so i just right. i just had a, a two clients um they actually moved here from london they're on a they're on a work visa and um they you know i've i've worked with them for for years now and They were doing sort of, I guess, what you would consider a sort of a classic romantic comedy template. Um, But there was this high concept in it. And they spun that high concept in a way that completely threw me off base around page 50. Oh, my God. I love that. Yeah, where you Uh went, you did that with this idea? Thank you. I I didn't see it coming, and yet it fit with the rules of the story. It fit with the characters' personalities. It fit with your own concept Thank you. That was the surprise, and it just and reinvested like me. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: You know what movie did that? Now, now that you say that, it came to mind: The Hurt Locker. Mm-hmm. The Hurt Locker. The midpoint when Sam um, when Sam um, Bourne said, "When Will goes down to get his glove um, to Owen, um, essentially, we should take him out. We should kill him, mm. knowing that his goal was to protect." The leader, and then suddenly the midpoint was the complete opposite because the leader really threatened the team. I loved that, and, you, like, and you I think, didn't see that coming at all, right? What I love it when people
1: go that dark, mm-hmm. too, where they, yeah. where they, where a writer says, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it to the nth power, mm-hmm. I'm not going to just, just sort of shy away from it and go, well, that wouldn't happen. Well, what if it did? What yes. if somebody said, let's kill him, yeah, and it just. You're right. It, yeah. it makes the audience sit up in their seats. It, does. it makes the reader turn the page.
0: Yeah, you're right. No, I totally agree with that. I think that's a very good point. When you are reading screenwriters, what would you say? Say when you go through a script the first time, what what are the main things you look for? Well,
1: it's, it's funny because... Uh, if I start to look for something, then actually that means that the script hasn't engaged me to the point where I'm lost in it. When I start looking at the pages or I start sort of going through a checklist, that means it's it's not as successful as it can be. When I'm lost in it, when I'm not paying attention to structure and what they've set up and all that stuff, then it's like being at a good movie. Yeah. And if you if I'm lost for a while, even if I start to sort of get analytical at times, but if I'm lost for a while, that's the
0: sign of a good writer. Right. Yeah. I to- I couldn't agree with you more. I think that's great. What is your process with writers?
1: My process is, um, the, well, the way that I consult one-on-one is I read it right before they show up. And they're often like, what are you doing reading my script right before? But it's so that I can, it's like seeing a movie right. and then coming out of the theater and talking about it with a friend. I want to have that immediate impression. So I, I read it. And I'm taking notes as I read it, and then I'll sit down with the writer and I'll tell them right away what I felt really worked for the script or what was getting in its own way. And then I go through the script with them sequence by sequence, and I point out where those problems exist, and then we'll actually try and fix them. So if it's a – let's say the dialogue is too on the nose, I'll say, okay, how can this character express that meaning without being so direct? Right. And we'll fix it.
0: Right. We'll fix it. Oh, that's great. I love that. Subtext is is a fascinating thing. And dialogue. I mean, really getting writers not to hit it on the nose. How what are some of the tips that you give as far as writing strong dialogue?
1: Well, you know, sometimes I I say, why don't you write down what you wish the character could say? And this is something I do in my classes is to say, what what, what would that character say if they really wish they could? then they'll they'll put it out there on the nose. You know, I hate you. I love you. Whatever. I want to kill you. Right? And then I'll say, "Okay, they're not going to say that. They might say something very polite. I'm sorry. Right. Nice to meet you. Right. Whatever. Now we're going to give them an action. And that action is going to express what they wish they could say. Right. So we're going to replace that on-the-nose line with an action that shows it. Right. And therefore, we've got action plus dialogue, and that equals the intention. That's great. That's
0: where the subtext is coming through
1: and what they do, not what they say.
0: Totally. That's fantastic. I think that's great. And I know some of that comes out in your book. And I also have to say, like, when I remember watching your CD— Part of what I loved of what you did as you, as a class, started formulating a screenplay, a story, mm-hmm. through ideas and then grasping from the audience. And I thought that was great. It's really fun. Is that something you guys do a lot of? I do. I, you do. Do that? I
1: really, I, you know, like I said, I, I just like teaching more than anything. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting to me how inventive people can be in the moment. Um, That's why I don't actually have them do a lot of preparation for the classes. I like them to use that time to be inventive, to be creative. I'll ask them stuff. They think of it on the spot. And at first, you know, the more shy people might sort of, may, may even feel uncomfortable for a second. They're not used to Putting it out there, right. but by the end of six weeks, everybody's just in your face, going this, that, the other thing, and it's a very, it's so a really it's a creative experience program. Yeah, my my uh, first draft and rewrite classes are mm-hmm. six weeks mm-hmm. on Saturdays. I've got a new one coming up. Um, Actually, I've got two, one on Saturday and one on Sunday, starting January 8th and January
0: 9th. Great. First draft class. And people can sign up at www.onthepage.tv. The <laughs> okay, good.
1: Great, great. Thank you, Jen. You got Thanks it. Thanks for the plug, pleasure. Jen. My
0: pleasure. <laughs> now, philosophy. It's interesting because I think one thing I learned from you that because, as we know, there are so many great story consultants, so many people doing really wonderful things. And, And I definitely know that part of the success for each of us is discovering our own voice within being a story consultant. What would you say is like your basic philosophy that you kind of just really go into over and over that sets you apart
1: It was funny when i was writing the book i i was writing all around that philosophy and eventually i went w- what do i believe what what is it what's my equation and i came up with emotion plus action equals story that's fantastic and, and i believe yeah. that i yeah. believe that w- with the smaller moments mm-hmm. i believe that with the the story overall and i think the the way that i would i would Express that is if you if you read a script and it's only emotion, it's all internal and somebody's feeling and they're thinking and oh, they're emoting. It first of all, it's drac right? right? There's nothing visual about right. it, and it's, right. it's just and it's a novel, mm-hmm. and that's what we mean by novelistic. It's so internal and nothing is visually expressed, nothing's expressed in action. But then there's the other side of that. What if somebody only does action and it's he does this, he does that, he does the other thing, blah, 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 you know? And there's no there's no emotional consequence. It doesn't show what someone's emotional response is to is to it or emotionally what motivates them to do that. That is equally drecky, right? You right. sit there and go, Okay, thank you for taking me on a very rote ride, right. right? So put them together, emotion plus action, that to me is story. And that's what I'm looking
0: for. I think that, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, it's interesting when you look at movies, because when I came out of The King's Speech, which I saw yesterday, and I know you haven't seen yet, I, I, um, the reason, like, I felt so connected to the movie was I thought out of every movie this year, I was so emotionally into the plight of the central character. Colin Firth just took me in, and it was like I was on this ride with him, and it was it was so incredible, and I I mean for me, Black Swan also did that. Like I felt emotionally connected to the plight of of that central character. And that makes a difference completely for the viewer. It's like do you connect with versus um a movie that I didn't connect with the plight of the character, even though the story was great, was Secretariat. Did I you see seen that? Oh you didn't
1: see it? I'm I'm behind because yeah. when you know, people out there with kids will probably relate a movie for me is a ninety dollar affair, right? Because you have to pay sixty dollars for a babysitter, right. because That's you know they're fifteen right. bucks an hour. You wow. got two kids, right? So it's a four is, hour so thing. you're balancing it yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I'm I'm often doing it sort of after the fact, right? But I have when it comes to Oscar season, which yes. is, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to sort of skip out for as many as I can. I just saw The Fighter. Which and I, what did you
0: think? I really loved The Fighter. I'm going to go see it. Oh, I, I loved
1: it. I'm also a, a Boston girl at heart. Right. So I I hung out with a lot of those people. Right. You know, growing up, I was like, okay, I know, I know that family. Um, so I really loved that. And it was also... A fighting movie I'd never seen. I mean, right. when you think of boxing movies, there were surprises. Yeah, and right. I think the trailer makes it looks very conventional, mm-hmm. like it's of that formula. Right. The actual story is a completely different take, which I loved. Right. I loved the Social no- Network. I love that movie. I it, it was my love favorite. That movie, absolutely my favorite movie yeah. of the year. Because structurally, I like the chances it took with with telling the story through two ongoing depositions. Right. right. I thought that was that was inventive. Yeah. And And also with not trying to make the main character overly likable. Right. With saying, look. He was very flawed. This person is... Ambitious because he wants something, and secretly we all want something, and we're ambitious. Right. That was enough for us to empathize and get him. Right. Even if we wouldn't hang out with him. Right. We don't have to hang out with every
0: character. Yeah. You know. So I I I loved that. You know, it's interesting. What fascinates me, I think, about that story, and I would say that in the King's Speech were the strongest for me. Before I saw the King's Speech, I would have definitely thought that. Now it's like it's going to be interesting to see because they're both such incredible movies but the fact of the matter when we talked about emotion that um essentially the whole idea for facebook mm-hmm. came out of a heartbreak mm-hmm. i mean and suddenly made him billions of dollars came out of emotion and even it if that's not true with emotion because yeah.
1: because you know he's he's had his own arguments about it. It right. doesn't matter if it's right. not true. Right. The fact that the writer went, right. that's the truth of this story.
0: Fictionalizing the truth. Yes. You have to do that for screen And it, that's what made Frost it work. Nixon did that. Yes. And that was so incredible. It's like life is not that interesting on its own. <laughs> I totally agree. I think that's great. All right. So with that, we are going to take a break. We are here with Pilar Alessandra, author of the Coffee Break screenwriter and director of L.A. Writing Program on the page. This is Jen Grisanti.
1: You're listening to StoryWise with entertainment consultant Jen Grisanti. StoryWise is a podcast designed to give you this story behind the people who tell stories, offering you insight on what it takes to work as a writer in television and film. Hear this and other podcasts on www.jengrisanticonsultancy.com a full-service writer consultancy committed to guiding your vision.
0: We are back with Pilar Alessandra, the author of The Coffee Break Screenwriter. So, um, with regards to your book, what... what Inspired you to write this book and tell us about this book. That I love. I'm so glad that you
1: like it. I'm so glad that you like it. It's it's funny. I mean, doing what we do, right? Yeah. Um, There was this, yeah, but where's your book, right? So there was this part of me that was like, going to subtitle it, and here's my freaking book. Are you happy now? (laughs) I
0: love that. I love that. Yes.
1: But I decided not to. It's, uh, It's called The Coffee Break Screenwriter, and the subtitle actually is Writing Your Script 10 Minutes at a Time, which sounds a bit gimmicky, but the truth is that once I realized that my writers in my classes were actually using the classes for their writing time, I thought, well, I better let them write. So I would devise uh, tools that would help them in the moment in certain pages. I would give them no more than 10 minutes to get a scene down or a great moment down or define a character. And they would constantly come up with these really brilliant, focused, wonderful things. And I realized sometimes that's all we need. We just need 10 minutes of focused time. So if that's all that we have on a coffee break or when we'd normally be Facebooking or tweeting or whatever, how could somebody turn in my book, go, okay, I want to deal with character. I've got 10 minutes I'm going to make some progress. And that's what the book is about. I I hope that makes sense. That
0: totally makes sense. It it is fascinating because I read – when I first saw the title – I thought, okay, that's interesting. Is that a narrower audience? Because I thought, is that more the person who's working or being a mom or or has a lot of other stuff going on while they're writing? And yet when I read the book, I got it. Like, I really got it. I was like, okay, this is, I mean, i, I got to tell the listeners, I mean, this book is so fantastic as far as taking you bit by, step by step through every single prop. Part of the screenwriting process and really explaining it so thoroughly. I mean, I loved how you went into the beat sheet and the outline and what is a scene, and and this is a strong scene, and the examples that you gave, and and how to write strong dialogue, and and finding your voice, and and I mean there was just so much in there. Like I I read, you know, I read all this all the books out there on story, and and one thing that I I felt this really, ma- I think every single author out there who's writing about story has a very incredible perspective coming from a specialized background. And I think because you were a senior analyst for the studios, major studios, worked on major films, I think that your perspective really shines through and connecting with the writer and saying, this is what you need to do. And I think people Need this? I do. So, so it's definitely a book that I feel really. Stand- and there were there were several parts that I loved, and we'll go into some of them. Um, I love the equation: emotion plus action equals story. So it's funny that you point that out when I asked you earlier. Um, I also love your exercise: uh, work backward to find your ending. Yeah, and tell us about that.
1: It's funny, and this is something I've been teaching for a long time because uh, you know people get stuck. They get they they're doing so well. They're doing so well, and you know even when I was reading for the studios, I if if the ending didn't work, no matter how strong the story was. You had to pass because what are you invested in? You're invested in how does that character solve that problem, not just what the problem is. So you're looking for something clever, something you've never expected, some surprise. Right. But that's, you know, you sit there and go, Hey, make the ending better. Well, that's not useful. So I had to figure out well how could I help a writer make it better? And you start from what you know, which is the reveal. Which is I know he's going to get the treasure. Okay, he's going to get the treasure. Or he's going to get the girl. But how does he do that? All right. We'll work backwards. Where do you find the treasure? Uh, what physical clue got you to that place. What was said that introduced that physical clue to you? Uh, what event happened that's that caused somebody to say that thing that brought the physical clue to you that got you to that place where you found the treasure. So if you if you keep working backwards, right. it doesn't mean it all makes sense. Right. But one of those things is going to be an interesting trigger yeah that gets a character to their answer in in a, a clever way. And makes yeah. the audience go, oh, oh. I didn't see that coming or yeah. Ooh, that was cool. Yeah. Cuz we want that little adventure yeah. along the way of solving the problem.
0: And I and I think that's great because I think what what stood out to me about that like I remember early on in my career and it was huge for me when I working in television on procedural type shows and that was um that I learned in a story structure class like 15 years ago. Take the script from the back to the front and make sure that every preceding sc- scene within the same storyline sets up the next Mm -hmm. scene right so it was it so when I I, that's something that has been a huge tool for me as an analyst and then when I read your perception of it and how to find your ending that way and how you connected back I love that I I thought that was I thought that was so great and I really think it's going to hit like I would say and I'm sure you agree the main thing about teaching writing is hitting the aha Light bulb moments. Yes. When the writer's like, that's what I need to do. And I feel like, you know, there are so many things in your book that you really spell out, this is what you do. And and I think that you're going to have a lot of aha moments, which I think is going to be great. Um, Now, okay, so going through, because I mentioned a lot of things that I love that you talk about in your book. So l- why don't we go through some of them? Um, writing a beat sheet. Writing a beat sheet,
1: I, I think um, the, the thing I kind of stay away from is telling people what has to be at every beat, what has to be at certain pages. I know I, – I respect and admire people who found uh, patterns in certain storytelling. But – I also want to encourage people that as long as they're not boring somebody every 10 pages or so, what you put in that story is really up to you. So I don't have a formula for the beat sheet of what has to be at page 12 or 17, etc. But I will help you find an easy way to figure out what you've got in those sections. And a lot of it has to do with just figuring out what the character wants what they actually do and what gets in their way much right. much the way an actor does when right. you're approaching a story
0: and the length of a beat sheet what would you
1: well i i break down mine only into 8 Beats because mm-hmm. I just want to make it handleable mm-hmm. for the writer, mm-hmm. and then we take those beats and we break those down even more into scenes, so that they can get a working outline. But I'm also, you know, I want people to understand that your story is going to change as you write it. Mm-hmm. If you if you're overly married to your beat sheet or your outline, there's no flexibility for you as the writer. Right. And the key to writing is right. flexibility. Right.
0: <laughs> Sometimes your characters are going to talk. It's right. a little
1: New agey, but sometimes they just do what they want no, to do. No, I'm all about the <laughs> New Age
0: because it's orga- what organically happens within the structure and being open to the new possibilities. Mm-hmm. And if you're so stuck to, it has to be – and it, it is interesting because there are some writers who I think write incredibly detailed – outlines and their script essentially is their outline mm-hmm. and and then there are other writers who write very loose outlines and 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 then their script kind of takes on a voice of its own as it's going what now, as far as outlines, mm-hmm. what would you what do you have to say about outlines?
1: Well, pretty much that, that if you know, as far as the book goes and my classes goes, I just have people sort of build off of their beat sheet into the scenes, and that becomes their blueprint. And then, as they write, they need to know that that first draft can be, like you said, almost a a, a more sophisticated outline itself. Mm-hmm. And that should also free you to let yourself be kind of bad up front if you want to. The first draft should not be perfect. It needs to be a rough draft. draft. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I find that you're sort of outlining a little as you go right. you could even let's say you write a scene and it's perfect but then you get to another place and you have some block about it you could write this is the scene where that guy says that thing that gets the girl's attention that makes her do so and so right you know. okay great you right. know you know what he that he's going to say something you know uh it's going to get her attention you know that she is going to take action because of it
0: Right. Yeah. See, that's so simplistic. I think, I think too, like a part of what you do is is you take out – I think a lot of writers are intimidated by really looking at the nuts and bolts of the whole situation and how to do it. And I think you take – by take, taking it one step at a time, you take that out uh, of the equation, which I think is great. Um, writing a scene, mm-hmm. how would you describe – well,
1: again, you can start from the simple and just mm-hmm. think about what it, what's your intention for the scene. What are your intentions as the writer for the scene? Physical intention. What physically has to take place in this scene? Uh, verbal intention. What does somebody have to say? What do they have to communicate verbally? Emotional intention. What does somebody have to either feel having left the scene or what does a character have to feel having experienced what they do in the scene? And, of course, the story intention. Meaning how the heck does this move the story forward? Which yes. is probably the most important one. It if you is. know those yeah. things and yeah. you simply can nail those intentions yeah. in a rough draft, yeah. you've you've done your job. Yeah. Um now if you're going back and rewriting and the scene hasn't been working for you, you might want to ask yourself, does it meet those intentions? Right. Or or is it you Is know, it moving story
0: forward? Yeah. Is it not? Do I need it? Yeah. Some
1: people some people Write a scene and it's a lot of fun, but it sticks out because it really has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And they should realize that was your darling. It's, yeah. It's pretty. It's, yeah. It's funny. It's cute, but it, it's yeah, not working for your it's story. It's not working. Yeah. Yeah. Do
0: you know? I remember hearing someone talk about rewriting and they said, and I thought, oh my God, that's such a challenge. They said they would tell writers to take out their favorite scene. And I thought, oh, that's so hard. Yeah. I can't even begin to. But then I thought, that's great mm-hmm. because it's almost like detach and really look at the story without what has to be, without, and see what works without it. Without no, look I, at how pretty I write. Yes, yeah, exactly. You know, one thing I I think that's interesting about the scene work too that I, it is a fascinating thing when you break down beginning, middle, end, and and. The idea of, I know in television, when I see it done and see it done so well, where there's conflict in every single scene. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something, some moment of tension. And and I know you talk about that as complication. And I think uh, I think that, I mean, that's a great thing, too, because I don't, I don't think most writers really understand that about scene work. But you also, know? sometimes they think too big. Right. We, we say conflict or tension
1: and they... They think dry, high drama, mm-hmm. but really, what's so awesome mm-hmm. about feature and TV is that the camera goes so close that the twitch of an eyebrow can imply mm-hmm. tension, which yeah. is where the wording comes in, right? So, if somebody smirks, right, that could bring tension to a scene, right? If somebody laughs wildly, right, that's a completely different story emotionally right. that they're telling, yeah, you're right. So, but, but both of those things bring a sense of. Drama or comedy to to the scene. And That's right. It, people have to know it. It's that small. That's where the writing writing
0: part. That's comes what in. you That's went into part. in your book with Jude Roth. Did the yeah. exercise on it was it L A Confidential? Yeah, yes. She, yes. Told yeah, from she all the different it. viewpoints. Well, you know what a good writer
1: she yeah. is. Well, she's, she's a great she's writer. A shared client yes. of ours, yes. and yes. she's just she writes in every genre. Yeah, she's just sort of a chameleon that way. I love so, that
0: you had her do that. Oh my god! Yeah. I,
1: I just said hey. You know, could you just maybe take a piece of a script and just write it in a couple other genres? So she picked *L.A. Confidential* herself, right? Which is very genre specific in its wording. It's it's got this incredible noir mood to it, right? And then she rewrote it as horror, and as a kids' comedy, and as a fantasy. And and she she actually went a little crazy. A little crazy. It was great. It was was so. Much it fun. Great. It totally ended up in the book. Because
0: yeah. it showed you how just changing the way you organize your words and the words you use can drastically change the intention of the setup of a situation. I mean, completely. Yes. And that showed the power of the word, too. That that was great. Um and your acts, so mm-hmm. I like how, and I, I certainly know that that uh, I like the idea of act one and then act two and two parts, and then act three. So you're essentially looking at four parts of your script, which which I think is great. How would you describe your work with that?
1: I, you know, I'm I'm the the act one, act two a, act two b, and act three person, and uh, I think TV. Uh, has also followed that model totally. very yeah. nicely. Even though we do five and six acts, yeah. sometimes it's really these sort of four major sections yeah. with a little lopped off at the beginning yeah. and, and some added at the end. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm bad with math. I have to be honest with you. So right. with, if if there's this big, uneven section in the middle, it's right. intimidating to me. Yeah. And it also becomes sort of this vast wasteland of act two for the writer. Right. So it, it became important to say, no, the first part of act two has its own story. Right. And then the second part of Act Two moves in a different direction. Yeah. And that's it, it makes the writing process more handleable and but it, it also simple. helps with the
0: rewrite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. And it is fascinating because I have to say, you know, working in feature and T V and you do both as well, it's fascinating how how uh, similar We think they're so different, Mm -hmm. and they're really not. No. I mean, the pilot is different because you're setting up the series. But even like I noticed on certain films like Red, I was saying to Eric Hober, it is fascinating how that movie ended setting up the sequel. Mm -hmm. Well, essentially very much like a pilot. You know, what, where you're setting up what could happen next, and it's making you want to come back. So it is It is a fascinating thing, and it is also fascinating that, as, as we talked about, having so many TV and feature writers starting to cross over who, in the past 10 years, uh, 10 years ago, wouldn't. Have been near. I know it was the secret ten years ago. Today. Like yeah. you know, if you read, if you read a feature writer for TV, oh
1: my goodness, you know, really, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what does that say about about the the feature writer's career? Now it's it's like feature writers are dying to write for mm-hmm. TV, and uh TV's companies better than it ever has. Yeah, been. They're, yeah, they're you know stealing TV writers all mm-hmm. over
0: the place, mm-hmm. and I
1: I think it's because we're just telling stories in so many different mediums now yeah. that that the
0: rules... Strong storytelling is strong storytelling. Yeah, telling. you know, yeah. and they're,
1: the rules are bending, and maybe we're just getting rid of some of them, you yeah. know, and I'd be
0: happy with that. I apparently. agree. <laughs> well, and it's fascinating, like, when you look at Aaron Sorkin and J.J. Abrams and Roberto Orsi, Alex Kurtzman, um, Melissa Rosenberg with Twilight, and, and it, it is fascinating because these are some of the strongest voices in television. So it, it makes sense that, you know, the opportunity in the feature world would call upon these people. And I think it will call and already has started to call upon a lot more. So, yeah. you know, I think that's great. Um I love TV a little too much. These I, know, days. I, 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 yeah, I, I know. You know, I'm just like, God, I love What this are some show. of your
1: favorite shows? Oh, well. uh Let's see. DirecTV is picking up damages. Did you know that? So they're actually doing a new season of wow. damages. So I was wow. like really, really happy. I didn't know that. I have
0: DirecTV. Oh, I'm very, very happy. A little fluffy. Right. You get Friday Night Lights, too, then. Yes. 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 Wow. Um,
1: but also, uh, um, well, Breaking Bad, I think we both share it as a favorite mm-hmm. show, right? Oh, yes. Love. I don't know what that says about us. I know. <laughs> I know. The darkness. We <laughs> yeah. like dark and light.
0: Yeah, I, I just
1: like the I fact that. You know that TV does seem willing to go really deep and yeah. really dark, and take a lot of time to let you get to know and empathize with a character. Right. That's what I mean about like it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody you always want to like. Right. You know, I yeah. I don't think I'd hang out with a lot of meth cookers. I don't. Right. Right. But I empathize with that situation. Right. That he's in. Yeah. You know? So, and yeah, damages. Cool. Like, you also got some evil dark characters. Oh, my there. God. Close. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> she is wicked. But she's wicked, and yet she's always doing things for the right reason.
0: Right. She just has really bad ways of doing it. Wow. You know, so I just, That's an yeah. interesting model, too, that the network didn't pick up the show. And that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it starts this week. Oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> oh, and yeah, I know. I know one of the writers, Aaron Zellman. He's great. That's, that's really. I'm jealous. I don't have. That TV. <laughs> Come on over. You I can know watch it with us. exactly. And you know what else I heard is excellent. That I don't is um, that I hear you can get on Netflix is Spartacus. I hear it's outstanding. Yeah, so, yeah. That's one that I, I definitely want to take a look at. Then I heard also The Walking Dead. I hear is excellent. I, uh, I
1: my my husband's been watching yeah. it. Everybody loves it. I've been dying to get. Get my courage yeah. up to see it. I am deathly afraid of zombies. Right. It's
0: like I could yeah, read zombie scripts, yeah. but I can't look at it. And them. it's already gotten nominated. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been on since morning. I mean, that's that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I hear yeah, I hear that. And then um you know, other spectacular writing was also big love mm-hmm. is some incredible incredible writing very much like feature writing mm-hmm. very much like every episode is and and uh, true blood and another dark one i know cable has really really opened up and i that's where i think the feature in tv because cable is Borrowing from the feature world a lot, and I think that's why a lot of feature people are wanting to write TV now.
1: I wish the feature would borrow a little bit more from the TV world, yeah. In, ter- in terms of I its do. female characters, I do frankly, well. yeah. I think that it's still feature is still sort of a little one note when it comes to women. Oh, They yes. don't seem to understand what women actually are. What a, a, a drama with a woman in it. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't seen one that. uh I, I don't know. I'm,
0: I'm I'm looking for that
1: that movie,
0: right? You know, and I see it on TV. Yeah, because like the closer does. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many female leads. The closer, Saving Grace, did it. Um, I mean, there there are countless female lead parts that are are incredible because so. they know who their audience is yeah i agree
1: so you know I, I, I that's why i keep saying you know um i teach a class called beyond the chick flick mm-hmm. at, at conferences and stuff oh, which i is. love that yeah it's, because so it's tell about us about that well it's, it's about writing the female driven screenplay that is not your classic chick flick you right know, That has some edge or some danger or is a little more commercial you right know? and um and then I'll get a lot of people going, well, you know, how come they don't make movies about us, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you have to see more movies. You know, you have to go out there and buy some tickets. You know, with, that's bottom line is, yeah. is uh, you know, you want movies about you, you have to go pay the, pay the money. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: and it's funny because even with Red, they had Helen Mirren with a gun. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. <laughs> you know, it is. A, and I know. I know that uh, the social network, also there was controversy there in, in the way that it portrayed woman, women. And, you know, it is, hopefully, we like to believe, hopefully they're going to be making strides towards really recognizing that certainly um, some of the female roles in features, because when we look at all the best actresses who's nominated for best actress, there, they're, thank God, are some very, very strong Female roles, but there could be a lot more. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) working on that. Yes, they need to work on that. Um, Everybody out there, hear us. (laughs) Okay, so tell me. um, So you come from background wise, you um, you were a senior story analyst for major studios, DreamWorks and Radar Pictures. What was the journey as an occupation? Like, how does one become a senior story analyst? Well,
1: I fell into it because Uh I was a, you know. (sighs) Those people who really loved writing critical papers in college, um, those are actually the people who populate the development areas of Hollywood. Right, um, right. I was uh, just in my 20s, and I was selling sandwiches out of a cart. Um, I, had, I love it. Yeah, and um, I, I, a friend of mine who knew how much I loved writing analytical papers about books. Um, She was working for a very small company called Mm Cineville, which uh, made its reputation with the Alison Anders movies, which is uh, Gas Food Lodging and Me Vita Loca. They were very, you know, she was sort of like the... uh you know, Toast of to the Town director. And and uh, so she said, hey, you want to just read a script for me once a week and just tell me what you think about it? And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I read a, a script, and I would do my little book report called A Coverage. And then somebody went, hey, idiot, you can get paid for that. So <laughs> I was like, really? I could actually <laughs> not sell sandwiches? And I could – I." So, again, not being too bright, I was like, well, who do I want to work for? Mm, let's see. Oh, oh, I know. That's Steven Spielberg. He's good. So, I, <laughs> like, okay, being, being, knowing nothing is so helpful sometimes. So, I, uh, I submitted my samples and they hired me over there. That's great. At Amblin. And when it became Amblin, I had been working there, uh, not only re- doing coverage on scripts coming in, but also doing writer's notes for, the movies in their slate that, you know, I think I was sort of trusted enough at that point that when they became DreamWorks, uh, the title was Senior Story Analyst, you know, one of a, a couple um, that would sort of get projects first and get, and work with the projects that we had already in development, uh, work on those, those notes first. So I kind of, like I said, I, I fell into it by loving, uh, by analyzing material in college that I loved. And, and, Really loving writing about it. Right. But when I started teaching, it was because I was uh, doing a little class in my living room. Right. Teaching people how to be a script reader, and they were all getting jobs. Oh, that's And so great. I took that to UCLA, and I found out how much I loved teaching and then i started thinking about well what do i what works for me as a reader mm-hmm. and how can i translate that to writers right. i started developing material and started teaching screenwriting and eventually went off on my own when my first kid was born cuz i needed more money mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> That, so it was. It was after the birth of your
1: first. Yeah, baby. I find children you. to be very motivating. Yeah, <laughs> an say. entrepreneurial. Yes. family. I. Uh, I started my business in two thousand and one when my daughter was born. Right. My first, my oldest daughter, uh-huh. and when my second daughter was born, I opened my uh, studio in Sherman Oaks because I needed to clearly get out of my house because I had screaming children around and. Um, And now I have a a writer studio in Sherman Oaks. I love. Look at what was birthed
0: from that. (laughs) See, that is I. You know, I love hearing stories like that because that that is how great ideas start. Mm -hmm. I mean, you are fueled by the idea of you need to make this work. You know, and 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 that drives you very much like story. What is fueling this person? What are the stakes? And how do you? see a goal and make it happen. Absolutely. And you certainly have done that. So that 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 is fantastic. Um tell us about like all the types of guests that you have on your podcast cuz that's what I love about your podcast is it it embodies like anybody working in the field of entertainment. So and, You know, it's it's funny because when I started the podcast
1: um, three and a half years ago. And anybody who's been listening since back then will attest to the fact that I didn't know what I was doing. I <laughs> I, I just didn't want to blog. Right. I, I didn't want to blog. So right. I was like, there was this other podcast podcasting out of my studio called Never Not Funny, which was a comedy podcast. Right. So I stole their equipment and their producer and said, I'm going to do something. And I just brought in a couple of writers that I was working with that I liked. And we started talking about stuff. And then it caught on. And then I realized a lot of the people I know are involved in some aspect of the industry and can comment on their take on scripts. It always comes back to the script, Mm -hmm. but even if there's an editor on or Mm -hmm. a a casting person, they're talking about how they lift character off of a script. So it's been really fun. A lot of them have been just people I know, but over the years it's also been... People who know the people that I know, right? And sometimes it's just you know somebody who was recommended to me, like you, right? Uh, you know, you were working with some of my clients at the time, and they were really making strides. And I was like, "Let's get this lady on the show." Thank <laughs> you,
0: I appreciate that. Well, and it and what I can say, like the the fact that it got me so much business said so much to me about you because it was. Understanding the amount of people that came to me because they heard it, and knowing the number of people that listen to your podcast, and knowing how many podcasts you have. You well,
1: have. now I think we're oh my gosh, 173 oh, something. My like. gosh. But I should tell people out there if they end up going to on the page and they go to the podcast section. If it is before January 28th, they're going to see a subscription right now. The past six months have been a paid subscription for $20 for six months, and you get a lot of handouts and stuff. It's totally worth it. However, it it was a lot of pressure on me. I didn't have as much fun because suddenly it wasn't just like, come on in and just talk. It was, you know... People are paying for this. So I'm going back to free. Mm-hmm. It is going to be completely free as of January People 28th. love free. Yeah.
0: Yes. Who free, love free information. And you know what? I love free, too. I love I just, free, too. You know, you
1: got to do something yeah. that you do just because you love it, I not agree. because people are paying for Following it.
0: Following your art. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I definitely agree. Well, I, I still think it's great that you, and I think many people have, like, I remember when Variety went to subscription, I was like, oh, my God. But then it was just like, okay, well, then... then... Then do I want to go there? And it is such an interesting thing when you psychologically give something to people for free and then you – which I think many people are going to be doing. I mean I remember Rupert Murdoch talking about that at at, uh, an event a year or two ago and saying that everything was suddenly going to go toward – You know, having to pay for it, but they haven't yet. Like, so many things have not shifted yet. And I think they're smart not to shift, but I think everybody's dabbling to see. Well, also, I think this is
1: interesting for writers too, because they're doing a lot of content on the web and Mm -hmm. they've got to figure out, you know, how do they pay themselves back for some of the production costs. Yeah. You know, the thing about making a film, unfortunately, is that it does cost you money. Yeah. You write for free, but then you make it. Right. So I think. Having some kind of paid model out there. Getting for, sponsors. Yeah. yeah. And I like the fact that there are now distribution companies for webisodes right. that are paying writers for content. Oh, or that's filmmakers good. For that's good for
0: people to be aware of. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's, it's happening more and more. Right. And I think it's because they also want quality yeah. to come in. Yeah. You know, if you're a distributor and you just have a lot of junk on there because... Nobody was paying attention to the quality, right? That doesn't serve you. Yeah. So I think. See, I always thought.
0: I remember. I remember being at the Writers Guild. It was probably two years ago, and I remember then that everybody thought it was probably two to three years ago. Everybody thought that everything was moving to the internet. That literally, they were afraid for television. They were afraid that everything, and yet here we are. Two to three years later, and it, they still have not figured out how to monetize it. And it, it just seems so logical to me in the sense of I thought, okay, if you're moving to the web, you would have to have a studio, mm-hmm. like set up, in yeah. order for it to really work. Yeah, you know, and and it is it is very interesting, and and I think I mean I personally like the waves the the strides that have been made. Integrating the web and television and saying, if you want more, go to blah, 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 you know, and find out more. If you want to understand more, no scenes that weren't in this. I do like the way they're utilizing one another. Well, I think also you know? we're,
1: we're getting very close to yeah. the web is television, though. I mean, yeah. you know, with Roku boxes or whatever. Is yes. that, did I say that right? Roku boxes? I get it mixed up with um, bento boxes. But right. anyway, right. like with these, with these things that allow you to watch the web on TV, suddenly the source that is TV is really your computer. Right. And eventually, I don't know. Eventually we're going to end up there. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Going to our mobile phones. Yeah. I hope it's Roku box. I don't know. Maybe I'm just making this stuff up. (laughs) Who knows? People (laughs) wonder. No one's going to call you on it. Let's see. Let's see. So now um, seven years in your business. Give us – what would you say was – the most challenging part, and we, what would you say is the most rewarding part?
1: Ten years, baby. <laughs> ten years. <laughs> there you go. Oh my lord. There you go. Because we're going into 2011. Yes, yeah. started in 2001. Um. Oh wait, is it ten years? Now? Ten years. <gasps> yeah, it'll be ten years in July. Oh
0: my god, that's yeah. huge. I know. I know.
1: Do I'm you know what
0: big party? I think I wrote seven because when we you interviewed me, I think yeah, yeah, it, was it was seven, back years. seven yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, I mean, ten years. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is amazing. That's incredible. It's it's that's a huge celebration. It's been
1: really fun because, uh, again, not knowing anything always Mm -hmm. helps because Mm -hmm. I would build my business tier by tier based on what was working Mm -hmm. for people, Mm -hmm. what, what they were responding to and making progress in as writers. So it was all built on, oh, this helps people, not, oh, I can make Money doing right, and uh, and it became a natural progression. Like, oh, okay, this, this is this working. class works. Right. I'll have more of it. Right, or this kind of consultation works for people. That's how I'm going to do it. And so that's been really fun finding out what works. Right, it is a challenging time for everybody right now. Mm-hmm. Because of what we just talked about, Mm -hmm. uh, the the forms of storytelling are changing, and I think that it is really important that people like us be as up on what's going on as possible. Right. And it's sometimes hard to chase because it's moving very quickly. Yes. But it is important to stay current. I agree. And so for me, that's the ongoing challenge. Totally agree. Not get locked in, like, my favorite year of movies, which might be, oh, I don't know, 1999, you know, I have, you know, I I have to remember, like, no, right. Watch lots of movies, watch lots of TV, see what's happening on the web, see what my writers are doing. They're often creating things that are brand new. Right. So that's, that's my biggest
0: challenge. And I, I would say, it's so true. I mean, I would say in building my business, like having to not only be up on everything in in the entertainment business, but also in the business world mm-hmm. of how to build and grow and constantly have being a step ahead and learning and using the web and using social networking and understanding marketing and understanding like it really is, but I Love it. (laughs) I have to say, like, learning to, I think, the simplicity. Like, I think part of what I love about your business model um, is – the simplicity of you know what you are you're consistent to your brand and you stay after it like I I see so many people making the mistakes of branching out into so many different areas into where people don't really know what is the core of what it is Mm -hmm. and and I definitely feel on the page is so consistent where everybody understands what it is what you're off offering what the services are and I think that's great um Talking a little bit about what we've we've discussed off um, studio, yeah. Um, I would love for you to share the idea that you had of maybe something <gasps> yeah. that will be in the future for the two of us. Yeah, I came in today and I went, I went,
1: Jen, hey, let's do this thing because I'm I'm kind of into the idea of like I've got a barn, let's put on a show, right? And uh, and I was thinking it might be really fun. Fun, just once a month to do maybe a video podcast where we review stuff, Siskel and Ebert style. Yep. I'm a huge fan of those shows. It. Yeah, and um, and you're the, I mean, you're an authority in TV. I do a lot of work in features, right? And then we could we could watch TV and features and
0: review both. I think it's great. It would be
1: really yeah. really fun. No, I
0: think it's a great idea, and I'm very very interested in it yeah. because I love, I love any discussion of story yeah you know i i am inspired by strong voices and pointing out what's working and what's not working so that writers are informed, so, and doing it
1: once a month yeah. means I have enough time to schedule my hair and makeup person. Yes, because I that. am not getting on camera without one. Let's no, just be very camera clear about that. Is much more
0: challenging than audio. <laughs> uh-uh. No, <laughs> we both know that. I love my podcast. <laughs> I don't have to worry. <laughs> but no, that sounds great. That sounds great. I love the idea, and and count me in. So hopefully that I will certainly let you know if that is something we are going to move forward with. Um, Lastly, I would love to ask you, what is the strongest advice you have for people who are pursuing writing as a career?
1: The strongest advice? Well, you know, one part's going to sound hokey, and that is uh, to make sure it is something that you love to do. Mm-hmm. Because when you don't love to do it, when you're only writing to what you think is the market or writing to sell, it shows in your work. It's it's soulless. So even if it's perfect structurally, people don't respond to it. So love it. Um, The second part is uh, flexibility, so that when you are hired, that you're flexible in terms of receiving notes, in terms of understanding that production people are involved, and they're going to change the way that you're telling that story. And to love movies or TV enough to be flexible with the process. And that will make people want to work with you again. So passion and flexibility (laughs) i think
0: you express those so well i especially loved the idea of solace Mm -hmm. if you don't love it then it won't you won't be able to convey your passion and if your passion isn't there the story is not going to work right so i think that is an excellent note to go out on and i want to thank you so much for joining us thank you jen this has been really really fun it has been a blast. I've <laughs> loved having you and I want everyone out there. If you're not aware, which I know most everyone is, but if you are not aware of Pilar, please go to her website, even if you are and get the updates at www on the and also run out and buy her book, the coffee break screenwriter. You will love it and you will learn from it. And, uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jan. This is Jen Grisanti of StoryWise Podcasts and Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc.
1: You've been listening to StoryWise with Jen Grisanti. If you're looking to get to the next step in your career and need a guide who has been there and knows what it takes, go to www.jengrisanticonsultancy.com. On the website, you can also find the latest on writing programs, feature film festivals, and other writing competitions. StoryWise is produced by Joel Metzger and Hot House Bruiser Productions.